I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello, people who like films. Welcome, new listeners. Goodbye, uh, people who've stopped listening already. Who are just about to stop listening. What is this about? It's two men in a room talking about films they've seen and going off on tangents. If you don't like it, don't listen. (laughs) That's very true. If you do like it, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, Very decent of you. I thought I wanted to go for an aggressive start. Yeah. I've, I've listened to some other film podcasts and the people just don't want to know what is going to happen. So do I want to invest my time in listening to these people? What is going to happen? So I just get it out of the way. That's what's going to happen, all right? We're going to talk about a film, then we'll read some of your letters, then we'll talk about another film and then we'll leave. This week, well, I'll leave because you live here. Yeah, I do live here. So does Buddy the dog. Buddy is a person or animal responsible for any uh, extraneous... Is that the right word? Sure. Extraneous noise you may hear in the background. He's also a great excuse for all of the squeaking and uh, chewing that we do during the I don't the do any of that. Uh-huh. This week, we've gone to revisit some old films, as there is a... I can't think of the word... I think Dearth. I'm getting at Dearth of films on the cinema. Yeah. So we thought we'd pick up a couple of classics that we should have seen... But we haven't seen. We watched one each. Yeah. Uh, so let's see if that was worth doing. Um, let's see if they can guess what this film you watched. Should we do yours first? Sure. It's the first ever sci-fi film. The first feature-length sci-fi film. 1927, I believe, is when it was from. That's clue one. Clue two? Clue two. It begins it's, with M. Uh, the film begins with M. Um, and the director is famous for two films beginning with M. Clue three, it's Metropolis. <laughs> yeah, clue three, yeah. Um, yes, uh, Fitz Lang's Metropolis, which is famously um, the first feature-length sci-fi, as we've already said. Um, it is Hitler's favourite film, I discovered, doing a bit of reading. Oh, yeah, squad. <laughs> That's a sehr good sci-fi. I wonder if it's had an effect, because I, when I think of Metropolis, I think of the famous posters. Yes, did, well, did this change the way? Huge, how... huge influence on the visuals of um, films and uh, sci-fi. Obviously, all sci-fi afterwards. Um, but not only that genre. For instance, it the writers and creators of Superman uh, named the city Clark Kent lives in after this film because they like the uh, 
the uh, visuals so much. And uh, and Fitz Lang himself named uh, was inspired by the visuals for his Metropolis, this future dystopia, um, uh, from, uh, after seeing New York for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and no, I'm sure the posts have influenced things. And C-3PO is based on the robot in uh, Metropolis as well. The look of C-3PO. I have only seen clips of this. I'm ashamed to say I have never watched Metropolis. Please explain to me. what It's one of those films I did when I did film studies and we're supposed to watch Battleship Potemkin yeah. and, uh, which is the other one you get to watch Metropolis. I went to watch Double Identity, Double Identity, yeah. and 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 Casablanca, and uh, the Thirty Nine Steps. I saw those, but I missed the first couple because I was too busy trying to get off with girls. What happens in Metropolis? Does anyone? Well, go, you missed does out, anyone mate. Get off anyone? <laughs> yes, but not until the very end. Like films spoilers. should be spoilers. Um, yeah, it, it came out in nineteen twenty-seven. If you can't spoiler it now, it is eighty-seven years old. You can't do spoilers. Okay, well. Uh, basically, the brief synopsis without without too many spoilers is it's set in a dystopian uh, future city in the year 2000 um, called... Hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, called Metropolis, I assume. And um, it, there is huge class division of uh, the, the wealthy right at the top and uh, all of the workers who live in a city under the ground um, basically just going to work to feed the machine and, uh, you know getting in accidents and dying and going around whilst the the children of the uh, ruling class is just frolic in uh, pleasure gardens doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, sounds nice. Um and the lead in it is uh, the son of the ruler of Metropolis who um one day sees this woman called Maria who breaks into um who barges into the offices of his dad with a load of uh, the children of the workers so they can see how the elite live. Do you know what? I think I have seen it. Yeah. I think I've seen bits of it on TV from when I've been a kid, you know, black and white yeah, things yeah. been on and I've seen probably bits and bobs without even realising. But the the lead guy anyway, I think his name is Frieda. No, that's the girl's name, isn't it? Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Frieda. Fried. Frieda. No, it's Frieda. It is his name. Um, he then wants to find out more about this woman and so pursues her and ends up getting him, uh, seeing for the first time how the workers live. And it's it's got that class struggle at its heart. But then there is also this real sci-fi thing that there is um, a, a crazy scientist inventor called Dr. Rotwang and Hang on a minute. Yeah, he's called Dr. Rotwang. What's he trying to invent? A cure for his... Um... He's trying to invent a uh, a robot to replace the woman he was in love with who died in childbirth, giving birth to Frida because his wife was stolen by the uh, the lord of... Uh, the ruler of Metropolis. Hang on a minute. Yeah. So, and anyway, then, uh, then the ruler of Metropolis decides to use the robot... Uh, to make her in the image of this revolutionary Maria in order to um, stop the uprising of the uh, workers and de- deceive them. Because everyone wants to bum the robot. Mm, exactly. Um, and Dr. Doctor Rotwang has a mechanical hand and he is the inspiration for Dr. Strangelove. Strangelove probably being a pun on Rotwang. Um how many films? This must have influenced everything. Huge, huge numbers. You watch it and you go, ah, ah. Uh, you know, Brazil is hugely influenced by this film, including the class struggle and the, you know... What the influenced this then? Um, I assume novels. I mm. assume it's literature that 
uh, influence this. But to go back to the um, the Hitler connection briefly, it is fascinating that um, uh, that this film is very popular in the Weimar uh, pre Second World War um, era in Germany, and uh, Fitz Lang himself is Jewish, and Goebbels was so fond of this film as well. He said to him. Um, you're an honorary Aryan. We decide who's Jewish and who isn't, which is one of the creepiest things I've ever heard. Wow. And he fled to America because he didn't want to be in with them. But um, they loved it, and but saw it as a template for how the world should be, rather than... Oh, they as, we got it wrong. Yeah, well, who knows? But And Vigili is quite... Um, it, I don't want to use the word intoxicating, isn't it? Well, it's it's uh, certainly ahead of its time. It was the most expensive film ever made when it came out. If you... Um, if you adjust for inflation, it it cost two hundred million dollars to make back then in nineteen twenty seven. Um, it nearly bankrupted the company that made it. And who was it? Was it MGM or something? It's or... German. It's a German film. Oh, okay. Um, I'm just pouring myself a coffee. So, I mean, listeners, you enjoy that sound. It sounds like a coffee advert because it's right next to mm. the um, speaker. Do you want to pour a coffee as well? So sure, can I'll, I'll pour a coffee. Listen as well, to us having coffee. I'll just finish going to the toilet in your cup. Thanks. <laughs> and now fill up the rest with coffee. Um, is it enjoyable to watch? Oh, it certainly is. It's, you know, you can't really review films that are this old and this influential, I think, because you've got to view them in a completely different way. They're like museum exhibits rather than uh, movies these days. It's only two hours long, you know. And, and it, course, Only? Well, you know, that's that's not bad, you know, going for a film that's quite slow at times and because it's silent there's just music and you know it's um, you sometimes are going what's happening it's also been reconstructed from they lost whole parts of it for decades and then they found them in the archive Um, a film historian found brand new bits in the archives of a museum and all sorts and so it's been released in many different versions over time as well there was even a version I believe done with a, sound, a new soundtrack added by Queen and other um, 80s bands and oh, stuff, great. which I'd love to see because, you know, it's been hugely influential on the Flash Gordon film and everything else. Um, but it's... Uh, so this basically makes everything you see now feel like it's been stolen. Well, no, it makes it makes sense. It contextualises it. It's like this This did it first, you know, into in the skyscrapers of... Um, and uh, planes, there's wonderful. It's you know the thing we're now used to ever, ever since Blade Runner is the flying cars mm. amongst the skyscrapers. It did it first, but they're all biplanes. So you've got like uh, you know the. Uh, is it a bit like when you find that some someone one of your friends or not a friend, someone who's a real arsehole, and you meet their parents and they're both arseholes? You, you go, go ah, that's where that's it where came, it came from. from. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I mean, Dr. Rotwang is excellent. He's an excellent character. Um, no, it's great, but it's it's ahead of its time in many ways. Well, I don't know. I don't know the cinema of that period, but it's, it surprised me in how sort of uh, poetic it was with its um, cinematography and stuff, because there, there are dream sequences almost, visions, where the main character sees all of the, the workers at work on the big machine and then has this sort of weird vision where he sees them marching in their hundreds into the mouth of it. Like, it's suddenly, it's now got a mouth. They're going up these stairs and just being consumed by the machine. And that's what he sees when there's an accident with the machine because they're being worked too hard and loads of people die. And he goes, well, that's an inevitability of what we're doing here. We're actually just feeding the workers to this. for the." And it's it's sort of, 
it's very evocative. It's, it's arresting. Um, it's it's sort of one you, if you like films, you have to see. I'd say. I've got to watch it. Um, is it available just on YouTube? Is the thing I presume? Uh, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime taking all our films and what they'll do is they'll do it cheap first of all yeah. to get the people in and they'll start putting their prices up I'm worried about Amazon taking over everything well it's it's going to be them or one of the others isn't it I mean Netflix is I think still just Netflix for now but um, like Blinkbox is now owned by Tesco's and uh, now TV is Sky oh, I feel I should be worried but again again I'm really pleased I can get stuff cheap um, so how many Davies do you give it? It's probably difficult. I, to I mark, think isn't I think it? it's impossible to say. Like it's 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 super naive in lots of ways because we have built on what they started. You know, um, it's a fascinating, fascinating piece of history. Um, yeah, and just it's it, it's it's about something, and it, it's 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 amazing. There's whole sequences of you know like. They flood the entire set at one point, and it's like there are hundreds upon hundreds of extras in it and stuff. It's it's worth it's worth seeing for the spectacle alone. Um, but obviously, the print hasn't survived that well. You know, it's it, it's sometimes hard to tell what's happening, but other times you're just like, that's that's great. Hey, David. Yeah. Do you think that we're living in a place like Metropolis now? Uh, yeah. You think it's come true? Yeah, I think it's come. I think it's probably always been true since sort of the Victorian era onwards, really. Oh shit! <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so there we go, Metropolis. I tell you what. Say I've got an opinion. I'm listening to this. I've managed to stay listening for the last ten minutes. Yeah. That sounds really insulting. To no, me. that's fine. That's fine. I've got, it's I've, fair, I think. I want to say something. Yeah. How do I communicate with us? Well, if you, uh, you know, went to film school or did film studies at university and want to repeat your uh, thesis on Metropolis to us, then why not email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or talk to each other about it and ignore us entirely by going to Facebook forward slash filmfandango. Or you can tweet us at Mr. David Reed, at Marek Larwood or at filmfandango. Oh, guess what? What? Oh yeah, also you can donate to help our podcast as well because we do it, but we're self-funded and and we pay for everything ourselves. It costs over eighty billion pounds. If you want to donate, you can go to dear film. No, you can go to filmfandango.co.uk. That's the one. Click on the donate button. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Uh, you are the reason you can still hear us each week. So good on you. Um, here's an email. Oh yeah, who wants what? Do you want to read it? You read it. I've been talking a bit. Okay. Uh, Hull accent. What's Hull? All. You, all that. What accent? What I can do? Oh, yeah. Just, just go like that. Oh, gents and gear now. And Mud is, 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 is entitled Rubbish Blue Films, this is. Okay. Because I said uh, all blue films are good. All films with blue in the title are good. Uh, not all blue films are good. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, dearing me. Yes. Anyway, rubbish blue films. From Kieran Hall's emailed in. Ah, gents and gear nans. My title sounds like crap born. But nevertheless, a submission for all blue films being good. A surfing, a surfing film where stuff happens, I'll be honest. 
I lost interest reading the IMDb summary. So this smashes apart the good blue films theory from Marek. I give you Blue Crush. Also, since Marek breakdown, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> Is it when I went a bit... I got angry a few episodes ago. Since, also, since Marek's breakdown, he seems to have increased massively his pretension... Pretentionness. Is it pretentiousness? Pretentiousness. In many ways, it would be better for himself to watch... To watch... To watch... Watching films, I think. Please don't be mad about this, Marek. Well, you're not even... You're not even... I am getting mad. You're not even made sense. Watching films... If you're going to criticise me and say that I'm pretentious, say it properly, and blooming... I don't know what make your point properly. I think he wants me Re-read to read your email before you send. You click send. I've, I agree. I looked at this Blue Crush film. I've yeah. not seen it. It is 2002. It looks like it's awful. And there was a sequel nine years later, with straight to video, Blue Crush Two. But we both uh, looked at this email beforehand. Yeah, we can read all right. Yeah. Um, and we both talked about the film we remembered, Blue Juice, which was we- 1995. 1995 surf film starring Catherine Zeta-Jones and Sean Pertwee. Yeah. Based in St Ives or Cornwall somewhere? Somewhere like that. Uh, I, which I can't even recall if I've seen it. I'm just sort of aware of it. I remember getting it out on DVD, uh, I think, or something, when I was about nine, nine, 19, when it, it came out. I think it was awful. It's Ewan McGregor's in it? Yes, and it's watching on... It was just was it just after train spotting, I mean? Okay, 95. And yeah. Sean Perchie was cool as well. Catherine It's awful. <laughs> Don't watch Blue Juice. But it has helped me amend my theory. Yeah. Is that obviously all for, a lot of surfing films are called blue. Blue. Yeah. Oh, a lot of sea films. A lot of sea films, isn't it? Like uh, Big Blue, somebody mentioned in another email yes. to us, which is a um, French, I believe, uh, film about free diving. Mm. And it's got uh, Jean Renault as an Italian in it. Who, yes, it's very brilliant. good. It's very good. I used to really like that film. I can't. I've not seen it recently. It was that's quite it's quite an old film, isn't it? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they they're all they what I'm looking up now. 1988, The Big Blue. Yeah. Um, it's about a man who's basically at his happiest underwater. Yeah, it was really enjoyable though. Yeah, it's quite a slow good. film, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Um, it's a romance, isn't it? Isn't Rosanna Arquette in it? Yeah, she blooming is. Yeah. How do you remember all these names? I don't on. know. It's just it's how my brain sort of works. Autistic. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm going to amend the theory. First, I'm going to apologise for saying you're. T- well, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. I don't. I take it as a compliment. Uh, my theory is that blue films with blue titles are good. Minus surf films, brackets minus surf films. Okay, interesting. Well, let's see if anyone uh, the Gauntlet's cast see if anyone can prove you wrong with that one. Um, and we're still going to make Blue Zombie, yeah. We're still going to make Blue Zombie. Yeah, but what was Blue Zombie again? I can't Blue remember the Zombie plot. was the uh, the uh, where all of the police become zombies, and so the criminals have to be released that to defeat good. them. What's amazing is, is that Mike, I have no memory whatsoever <laughs> of anything. You can remember stuff, so that's why um, I'm so j- um, full of joy the whole time. I think. Yeah, yeah, probably. And I'm so grumpy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, well, if you can think of a, a film with blue in the title that is terrible, then do let us know. Um, oh, there's another email. What do they want? It is someone 
from Aberdeen. I mean, they must be. They must love us up in Scotland. Why is that? Because we've got a lot of Scottish people emailing lately. Oh, have we? Anyway, um, short turn to do some reading. Aberdeen! I don't know what the Aberdeen accent is. Hi, David Marrick, buddy, and fingers crossed, Danielle. Bad luck, dickhead. Regarding the question of a cast... You can't call him a dickhead. Can you not? Can you not? No. I'm sorry. Sorry, Terry. Um, Terry donated in to the Blooming Show as well. I'm really generous. He did that anonymously, and you've just... you've just, Oh, did he? Well, everyone does. Well, He might not want it broadcast def- about how generous Terry is compared to some other listeners. He I, might this, not want that broadcast am, about how he's a hero. I am defending Terry. All right, sorry. Sorry, Terry. Regarding the question over casting wars, it's my favourite part of the podcast, and I'm guessing lots of other listeners too. It's especially funny when Marek loses. Sorry, Marek. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, rescinding that um, defence. <laughs> On recasting Flash Gordon, my choice for replacing Brian Blessed's Prince Voltan would be Timothy Dalton. Seriously, check him out in Chuck or Penny Dreadful. He's gone properly mad. I genuinely thought about casting Timothy Dalton as Voltan when I was looking it's a through. Clever it. move because he is now broad and burly, and he's got a he's got a strange twinkle in his eye now. If you think about him in Hot Fuzz. Mm. I think he could do it. Anyway, keep up the good work. Terry Forbes, Aberdeen. P.S. You can try an Aberdeen accent if you like, but don't hold me accountable for the download drop-off. <laughs> P.P.S. Please get Danielle back on more back on more often. I miss her laugh. Well, go in, why don't you just go and track her down to something else then? <laughs> well, you can listen to her podcast, Do the Right Thing, if you like. Um, yes, she'll, she'll come on sporadically, I'm sure. Uh, thank you for that. That's from Terry Forbes. Um, uh, yes, I, I totally agree. I think I think because I went for uh, who did I suggest for it? Because you won with Jack Black. And, Where's the poster for this then? Uh, well, it'll be out uh, by now um, on the Facebook page forward slash Film Fandango. Um, I can't remember who I went for now for Voltan. I can't. Remember. We uh, we've already established that I've got no memory of anything past five seconds. Well, that's very true. That's very true. Um, yeah, we'll have to play the casting game again. Get another guest on. It's good fun, isn't it? If you've got any friends who are famous and you think would like to come on our podcast, why not email us, dearphilfandango at gmail dot com? Because we're we're running out of people we know. Frankly, I'm not. I'm not friendly at the best of times. It's a real. It's a real turn off for people when we tell them Marek's involved. I wonder if it is. It probably is. No, I don't. I don't think so. Do you ever think, oh, would I like me if I met me? Oh, that's a depressing question. No, I haven't thought about that so far. I just thought about it then. What was your conclusion? Probably not. Probably Gage. Uh, you're really bringing me down. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we don't tend to like people who are like us, do we? They tend to be the ones that irritate us the most. Really? People who exhibit uh, qualities we don't like in ourselves. It really irks us when... They're just there doing it right in our faces. Yeah. That's why uh, me and Ryan Gosling would never get on. Yeah, that's right. I went to go and see... Um, I think I went to go and see this. I watched this on YouTube. Okay. Because I hadn't seen it before and I thought I should. It's always in a sort of list for the top films of all time. Top sort of... On IMDb, it's 87th best film. Which, uh, it's Bicycle Thieves or the American um, release The Bicycle Thief. Uh, which is an Italian film 
made in 1948. What's scary is it's a black, black and white film, sort of post-war, mm. in the uh, sort of bit of sort of depression-ish bit where there was a lack of jobs and work in in uh, Modena, Modena, or how do you say it? It's set in. It's well made 1948, and I thought oh, that seems like it's ages ago. I worked out I was born in 76. Yeah. So that is closer to when I was born than now. And then now. Wow. That's a really terrifying thing. You think the Second World War was closer to when I was born than it is now and yet it's depicted as something that's ages ago. The end of the Second World War. That's 1945, crazy. 31 years to 76 and now I'm 38. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the same for you. You're probably at this, almost at that point. Yeah, 82. Maybe you're not there. Yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so this is quite a famous film quite a, it's just uh, a man a poor man lives in a sort of uh, block uh, with his family he gets a job uh, it's really difficult there's lots of unemployment it's very difficult to get work the guy who gives out the jobs outside of the city hall you think you have to put, I don't know how, how it worked in those days you have to say what sort of industry you're in and he, he comes out with a list this guy's got a job putting up posters and he's really pleased it means he can family can uh, escape from poverty and he can have a life um, but he can only have the job if he's got a, a, um, a bicycle to carry the ladder and the posters around he's got to do it quickly travel all around town so he has to go back to the pawn shop and they give their sheets the bed sheets they pawn so they can afford to get the bike back and he starts his first day of the, the job guess what happens someone steals his bike someone steals a bloody bike I mean you think it's a problem now you've a lot of people talking about bike theft it would been this bicycle thing people nicking bicycles have been going back 70 years now mm. and there's still not a solution to stop bicycles not mean I mean there's a lot of problems but the bicycle theft has been a problem well that's 38 plus 30 that's nearly 70 years and it was probably going before that and no one has found the perfect bike lock. I wonder who uh, stole the first bike. I wonder, well, if it was a penny farthing, the really big one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, you I wonder would, how long after the invention of the oh, bike I you meant, I wonder, somebody stole. I the wonder bike. who stole the first bike because yeah, you yeah. could never steal the first bike. Oh no! no. Be like, but I wonder who oh, was the first bike thief. Someone's nicked my bike. Well, there's only one bike. That guy there's got it. <laughs> there's no plaque for that, though, isn't it? No, yeah. Is there? So there's a lot of people nicking bikes. So. Why this film is so great mm. and it's such a classic, it's this really simplistic idea. Uh, it's almost a way of introducing him. He's trying to find this bike, he's trying to find a person that nicks it, so he, he gets his friends out and they go around the whole of Italian town, they go to the churches, they go to the marketplace. It's just a, a plot device which allows you to see the whole of Italy so go on a bit of an odyssey of uh, yeah an odyssey yeah, yeah. And, and all the the problems and the, of the day and age and the man's relationship with his son and how he gets frustrated and how he's stuck in poverty and how there's there's moments when they go to eat at a restaurant you see the difference in class of other people and how he can only afford to have a sandwich mm. how his love for his son is tested at certain points um, he's sort of in danger and then his the act of stealing um it's called, it's called the bicycle thieves. The actual Norway Americans called the bicycle thief, but I think both it's about just moral conscience and how that changes with desperation. Um, it's a fascinating film. I mean, the, the version I watch it's been re-released. I think at the Curzon now, so I, I thought I'd watch it. 
Um, so I think it'd be better to consider it on the big screen yeah. and not in the proper. I don't know what sort of quality the print was because on YouTube, I don't think does it justice. Right. There's a lot of f- films, but I just thought I'd. Um, I would try and watch it there. Well, you can watch it there with a translation. I think it's free. I'm not sure. It's quite old now, so it should be. I don't know why the rights things. Um, this is always on our list, like the sort of AFI list and the British Film Institute list is one of the best films ever. It got an honorary Oscar, didn't it? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know what honorary Oscars are, whether it's just... It's a real slice of, you know, life of Italy in... In the sort of uh, d- depression post-war, post-fascism, presumably. Yeah, and it's just it's fascinating. It's odd, isn't it? When you look at photos of, if we took photos of London now, we went home, they'd be really boring. But automatically, in fifty years' time, they'd be fascinating because we yes. see all the thing, all the changes that took place. So in that time, so where it gives you this, you sort of see the whole city, you see how the people act, how the people cycle, the traffic, the. Um, people walking around the old cars moving yeah, around yeah. so it's fascinating in that way because it's almost documenting the sort of mini history of this um, town I wonder if anybody just, just completely just thought plucked out of the air has filmed the modern day using the old cameras so that the the footage style is exactly the same, so you can do more yeah, of a direct it comparison. Be really interesting. It yeah. would because with the with the shifting of the aesthetic, the look of it, you know, the grade of the film and the quality of it, and then going into digital, it's it's very easy just to them to be so starkly different. It's hard to imagine what it would be like. I mean, there's they do those films of London they've done uh, where they've colorized and more color film mm. in London. It's odd because you're so used to th- seeing things. Yeah. In when you see a man in a bowler hat, an old suit, you all want to see this odd seeming colour. And there's also a great series of classic. I think you know these things you get on Facebook and the internet. They've got uh, iconic photos. They've colourised, so they suddenly look alive and yes. modern. And these people seem real. And actually, time. the only difference was the way the photo was taken. Is yeah. what's making it seem so so long ago. Yeah. 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 I really recommend this to watch. It's int- I mean, is it influential in terms of cinema, or is it just a, a really good example? It's called like of the neo-realist. Period. So I think at the time it feels quite modern. Oh, I studied neo-realism at you. I don't even know what it really means. It, it's just that it's a, it was a, a movement in Italy um, around that time of doing these sort of um, uh, focusing on the mon- the mundanity of human existence rather than the sort of the melodramatic stories of aristocratic people. You know, it's like looking at the normal everyday lives and what it's like to be alive in Italy. Um, well, this is a perfect. I think, that's I, I think very influential upon the films of Mike Lee, for instance. Yeah, well, this, is a, this is a perfect example. I mean, I think this is a sort of the flagship film for yeah. uh, neorealism. In fact, it just seems, and I think it probably was it hugely influential. Because it is, it's not the. Uh, there's nothing else around that time like it. Well, not, not that I know of. Like the traditional Hollywood films, which are overly stylized and scripted and quite yes. tight, and everyone speaking a certain way. I can't really tell if they're doing that or not because I don't speak Italian. But it feels just, bore, you know, just like a hidden camera following him. It's like a camera, a slice of a fly on the wall. Not a documentary, but sort of half drama, half yes. documentary. This led to those awful real real life documentaries, <laughs> but um, it is. I'm glad I watched it. I found it interesting, and it had my interest for even though it was a quite deteriorated version of the film. So it's just 
and I think it doesn't seem so. It doesn't seem old. Compared, the footage looks old, but the film itself does not seem at all old, except for the backgrounds and all that stuff. Obviously, cool. Well, I, that's. I give it. I don't even write, think you should. I don't think you again, can I don't. It I don't think it doesn't feel right to do that. It's just you know these are parts of history, and uh, you but it's great. You can watch these films when you're thinking of a. It's always an effort, isn't it, to watch these films? Yeah. Where you think, oh, what film am I going to watch? And you never think, oh, I'm going to get an old classic. Like, we watch those Chaplin films, yeah. which are really good. Uh, so now th- it's entirely unfair to think, oh, I'm, I'm not going to force myself to sit through this because it's going to be slow and boring, because Chaplin, they are not. They race along, and they're so much more visually interesting than some other stuff nowadays, you know? And we watched, uh, what's his name, the sad face guy? Uh, Buster Keaton. Buster Keaton, the general, the general which is really interesting. Brilliant. I want to watch The Great Dictator, actually, uh, which is, um, that's Chaplin's... Hitler uh, comedy, yeah. isn't it? So these are all online. So until next time, and I always feel slightly, you know, reluctant to watch them. But afterwards, I'm always glad I did. Yes. So track that down. If you've got any things. other, um, you know, uh, early to mid twentieth uh, century movies that you really would recommend and think we, everyone should have seen, then do let us know. Dearfilmfandango at gmail We will be back. Next week with more films. Keep, Keep watching the watching the films. Films. Bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.